the hope and optimism of George Orwell's 1984. It's the Federal Chronicles radio show for May 30th, 2020. In part one of a conversation about the NSA surveillance programs, Jason Cousin and I, Eric Runder Kingfisk, talk about the USA Freedom Reauthorization Act of 2020 and the warrantless seizures of your internet search history by the FBI. The NSA's hidden spy hubs in eight U.S. cities and the NSA data center in Utah. We also talk about the United States federal government buying riot gear and Twitch's new safety council member, ferociously Steph, bringing a new sparkle and diversity to fascism imposed on social media platforms. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Yeah, so the, the the title of this week's episode is The Hope and Optimism of George Orwell's 1984. <laughs> Your irony's showing, man. <laughs> oh, is it? Is it? I, th- I thought I wore a slip. Oh, jeez. All right. Nope, uh, nope, nope. Just all hanging out there. Yeah. You may want to take care of that. Believe it or not, I think that all of these things are loosely intertwined because what Jay and I are going to talk about is we're going to talk about HR 6172 US Freedom Reauthorization Act of 2020 and the uh, federal government buys riot gear and okay so what is that again it's HR 672 it's HR 6172 the US yes yeah the U.S. Freedom Reauthorization Act of 2020. <laughs> I can't say it with which a straight is, face. Which has actually passed the Senate. Yeah, that's the sad thing. And then we, and then, I'm going to connect it all together to talk about Steph, ferociously Steph, Loher. Oh, jeez. And I'm going to explain to you why they are all somehow loosely interconnected. Normally, in your case, I'd say it's the scotch, but I'm willing to give you the benefit of doubt on this one. (laughs) (laughs) So we are going we are going to start with talking about this bill that was just passed in the Senate. And if you. Oh, here's another thing. Here's another thing that we actually have to. I'm going to put that aside for a second. Okay. All right. So I've been talking to quite a few people about the podcast. And I was actually talking to some people in particular who didn't like a certain thing that we did that we were supposed to do it over again for them. But we said, no, no, we did it once. We did it once. And we're not we're not going to dwell on it. We're not going to perseverate over it. But we did we did it once. And if you didn't like the way we did it the first time, I'm I'm sorry. Fuck you. Seriously, (laughs) fuck you. We do something out of the kindness of our hearts and you tell us, no, we got to do it right. No, fuck you. Fuck you. That's as right as it gets. (laughs) I mean, I'm laughing so hard because I know how much trouble (laughs) I'm going to be in (laughs) later on. I'm sorry, Jay. What was that? What what did you say, Jay? I didn't... I didn't hear you loud I enough. said, fuck you. What? I, heard, I said, fuck you. Okay. Fuck you. But not me. <laughs> no, no, none of you. <laughs> because, the per- because the person who said that we needed to do this thing over again also told us that we are the vulgar Siskel and Ebert of the paranormal and conspiracy theories. 
which I like. I actually really enjoy that. I I, I think we should put that on the main page. <laughs> we we actually that's actually wait a second. Wait a second. There's a link here. <laughs> let's see. Let's see what this link shows us. Uh, damn it. What you got there? Looks like the index page with a whole shit ton of shows on it. That is awesome. Oh, you're talking about the Fedora Chronicles. Yeah. Absolutely. So the thing is is that and Carol and I were sitting on our, our, our porch and um and we were just sort of sort of and I sent you this text and I think it made you laugh. It says, Okay. Now, if we're the vulgar Siskel and Ebert of the paranormal and conspiracy theories, does that make me Gene Siskel because I'm slightly taller and just slightly thinner? And you're Roger Ebert because you are so brutal in taking down bullshit? <laughs> yep. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> now, I was talking to um, a co-worker of mine, Paula. Shout out to Paula, um, one of our new super fans. She wanted to know which is which, and we should really sort of like start the show by introducing ourselves. And she wants to listen to our podcast so she can find out what we are really all about. Um, I'm Eric. Yeah. We're supposed to know what we're about. I, oh, I, well, here's the thing. I know what I'm about. Okay. I'm, anti- I'm still figuring that okay. shit out. I'm anti-bullshit. I'm anti-modern establishment. I'm anti-partisanship. And I'm also anti-flat earthers, and I'm flat and anti-conspiracy um, theory about men never landing on the moon. And I established that to a greater extent in the latest episode. But another thing I wanted to establish here is that, and, and just clear this up, Jay and I, I think that we have polar views on the COVID-19. I think it's far more serious than what they're telling us. And I was and I was saying the same exact thing at the hometown diner here at the bottom of the hill in Orange, New Hampshire, to a, a fellow customer who was waiting outside for his takeout order. I think it's far serious than they're telling us. I think that and I think just the opposite. And I you, think it's far less serious than they're telling us. Right. I think that there's an aspect to this virus they're not telling us and they're keeping it a secret. And but at the same time, I think that they are using this to pass some draconian, Orwellian, dystopic laws to keep us all in line. Never let a good tragedy go to waste. You, on the other hand, you think that is far less serious than yes. they're they're letting on. Yes. All right. Yes, I do. So I just want to go on the record. My co-host Jay Cousineau and I don't agree on the severity of the COVID nineteen virus, and yet we're still friends, and we're still yes. able to do a podcast and talk about this. Yes. But for some reason, somebody had asked that we um, that that we just point that out and be very clear about that, as if it wasn't clear right. already. Right. Well, I can I can understand because sometimes in the banter. It, it doesn't, it may not be as clear as right. we think it is. Right. I totally get that. Because totally. you look at what's going on in Latin America and Brazil right now. One of the news stories that I was going to send you, but I didn't get it in time, is that they they are digging mass graves outside, somewhere in Brazil. I think it's outside Rio de Janeiro. And You know, I saw something to the effect that COVID-19 is the new global hotspot. It, the new global hotspot for COVID-19 is in South America. Yeah. I, I did read that somewhere. Yep. Um, again, I, because of what we know about the virus, we know that 
factually speaking, it is not deadly to well over 95% of the population that I find it hard to believe that they have to dig mass graves unless they have a lot of people with some underlying health conditions. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't doesn't seem to gel with me. It doesn't make sense. And and yet to the, to the same degree or the same level of intensity of belief or whatever, I think mm-hmm. I think that this virus is far more deadly than what they've been letting on. And I think that far more people are dying of this case who already have underlying health issues. I totally understand that. I think that they are underreporting the amount of deaths because they do not want a panic and riots in the streets. And they don't want people flipping out and mass suicides and hysteria and people running out to the grocery stores and clearing off the shelves and um, everybody bunkering down. Well, we already and, had that. Right. We already had that to an extent. I think that they're, 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 yeah, I think I think they're trying to prevent it from getting any worse because it is far more dangerous. See, the, than, yeah. To, to me, first of all, the fact that you and I, who probably pay more attention to news cycle right. than I would say the average person does in the United States, I and the fact that you and I do have very opposite views, just tells us how little information we are actually getting. Because I think and that, how con- like, yeah how how much conflicted it is. I think that what you're trying to say is here we are we are two educated, intelligent young men. And I put young in quotation marks. Okay, you, you should put intelligent in quotation marks too. Okay, okay. So we are two semi-intelligent middle-aged men who've seen a lot of the there world. Okay. Yes. I, I don't think that we're dummies. Right. I don't think we're dummies. Um. And but I honestly don't think that we are being told the entire truth. I honestly believe that, Jay. With every fiber of my being, we are not being told the whole story. And I think I can agree with that. Okay. I can agree with that. Okay. I think in your case you're saying that they're hiding how actual actually dangerous this virus yes. is. Whereas I'm saying they're hiding the fact that this virus was not that dangerous and they're doing this irreparable damage to our economy and our society as a result of basically fear mongering. I, I do think that they're they're getting away with passing a lot more crazy laws. Yeah. I mean, look at the bills that we've discussed on the show, right? We had um, H.R. 6666. We that we discussed. We discussed what was that other one? The there was the one, the gun control one. We we were talking about. Um, you know, they're they're passing these laws, or they're they've got them in debate in Congress right now. And these are downright Orwellian in right. nature. You know, they're a huge infringement on our rights. You know, the gun control law would institute um, a bunch of gun control dream legislation it would it would create that that mm-hmm. is what that bill is right um it is a serious infringement on the second amendment it doesn't eliminate it but it might as well it might as well because it's basically saying you have to have a license you have to tell the government every time you buy a gun you have to the government has to approve each individual purchase of a gun that you make you, you have to use that license whenever you're purchasing ammo you cannot purchase ammo for anyone else other than yourself so like if you and I were going to a gun range and I purchased a box of ammunition you would not legally be able to use any of that ammunition you would have to buy a box of ammunition yourself and use it it's 
And not only that, but it would institute a 30% tax on gun purchases at the federal level, 30%. And a 50% hike, in, well, 50% taxes instituted at the federal level for ammunition. So 50 cents on the dollar would be what you're paying the federal government to exercise a right they're not allowed to infringe. It's insane. Tell me that's not it's bullshit. In, it's, it's insane. It's insane. You know, and then we've got, right, and then we got Bill 6666, which is an expansion of government surveillance, right? It's a brand got new- this other one. It's a brand- HR 6172, ironically titled the Freedom Reauthorization Act. So it amends FISA-related provisions. Right. Well, and one of the things that I, in, a, in a conversation, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble with my with my friends for for mentioning this in a, in a private conversation that we had um, for the Diesel Punk podcast. Um, Larry Emmett had asked after I posted a link to um, the episode about HR six 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 on the Diesel Punk podcast Facebook page. He had asked, "How does this have anything to do with Diesel Punk?" I, I would, I, and I think it's a. He had said, and I'm, I'm, I'm semi-quoting him, or I'm paraphrasing. Uh, you know, I, I strive hard to keep politics out of Diesel Punk, and I think everybody else should as well. I mean, you're He's, entitled to think that, right? the 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 problem that I have with a lot with that entire stance is that I can't do an episode of the podcast where one day I'm talking to. Jenny Carreri about who's spending every nickel and dime that she can muster to buy billboards and put them up looking for her twin who was murdered mysteriously. And there's this crazy cover up and just pure signs of, of corruption. And then I do another podcast talking about how the, the government is instituting new plans and programs to monitor everything that we do and to give themselves permission to look at our web browsers search injury search history and they're giving themselves permission to look at our internet search history and we you look at a lot of things where it's like you're not allowed to criticize certain aspects of the government you're not allowed to ask you're not allowed to criticize certain groups of people without being deplatformed and that is just right out of what everybody agrees is one of the greatest diesel punk books of all time, 1984. And I can't go back and talk about, you know, what's my favorite flavor of ice cream on a podcast or because the things I've done too much, I've done too much on this topic to say, I can't go, I, I can't go back and, and, to the, to the Indiana Jones cosplay community and take it as seriously as I did before. Because I've seen too much and I've read too much. And we are, we're on the brink of the kind of uh, dystopia that men like George Orwell were trying to warn us about. And right. it's, if we can't talk about how we're becoming the dystopic society men like George Orwell warned us about and say, I think that we need to sort of get together and sort of say, we don't want this. What's the point of doing a podcast? And I know that it's like... Well, for- that's just it. You're supposed to... as The podcast, you and I kind of run it is basically we talk about anything and everything and how they we see them interacting with each other you know you we don't operate in a silo we don't talk about just what's going on with modern politics we don't talk about just what's going on within the cosplay community be it diesel punk or indiana jones or 
any of the other you know niche cosplays that are out there. Right. We don't talk about just paranormal stuff. We talk about all of it. Right. You know, there's nothing that we don't talk about except our personal life, personal relationships with our significant others, because frankly, they would probably kill us. So, I mean, oh no, they would definitely kill the us. world. <laughs> the world is not a bunch of silos that operate independently. The world is interactive. It is interconnected. What happens in one area is going to affect what's happening in another area. And right now, because of COVID-19, we are in the introduction part of a dystopian novel where they're explaining how everything went to shit. Yeah. That's where we are now in the dystopian novel. When we talk about, you know, this is part of a dystopian future, this that's what we mean, is that it is, you know, we're letting the world go to shit right now. If actually not even letting, we're causing the world to go to shit right now, which, which is where you and I disagree on the source of it because we're either letting the world go to shit because something really, really, really bad is happening and they don't want it to turn out into an outright worldwide riot or someone is trying to covertly take control and they're running this experiment to see how well it's working. Why not both? Well, that's just it. There could be a little bit of both in it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's that's where the disagreement comes in is that it's it's a difficult thing for us to exactly wrap our minds around and figure out what's going on because things are so fucked up because right. there's no there's there's very little honesty there's experts you can look at depending on what where you go for your news right. there's experts that have just as many credentials that are saying conflicting things there are doctors on the front line saying it's much, much worse than we've been told. There's doctors on the front line saying it is not nearly as bad as we're being as we're being told. Right. We've got the World Health Organization and the CDC diagnosing people with the disease without ever checking to see if they have the disease. We've right. got a lot of just things that if 10 years ago someone was trying to do it, I, I think more people would be like, what? Are you out of your fucking mind? Exactly. You know? Yeah. So there's just so much that we don't know and don't understand that it's it's almost scary, really. You know, I always in all the things that we've we've talked about and we've talked about quite a bit. Right. We know the government hides shit from us. Sometimes they have a valid reason for hiding things. Sometimes they don't. No, exactly. Um, I to to go back to something you said earlier, for my perspective is. I want to believe there's a lot more going on in the world than science can explain. Of course. But I'm skeptical of most of it anyway. I have my own experiences, so I'm I'm very open to understanding that, you know, when especially when it comes to paranormal things. There's no doubt in my mind there's science doesn't tell us everything. Right. I'm very skeptical, especially of like archaeology. Um, simply because it's a guess. They're teaching us fact. You know, they we don't hundred percent know that like the Celts, for example, all the information we have on the Celts comes from Julius Caesar, who was trying to make them seem more dangerous and barbaric so that he could look like he was more of a badass when he got back to Rome. Right. And yet we're taking that as fact, you know? So there's a lot of opinion tied up with archaeology. That means it's not truly a science. No. A lot of it makes sense. So we go with it, you know, but some of it you kind of look at go, I don't know. I'm not buying it. You know, I'm not. I'm. I'm you know, not and there's yeah. enough of that. 
there's enough that goes that goes on in our daily news cycle that I'm skeptical of it too. So I'm 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 a skeptic who wants to believe is the way I, I right. kind of think of it. Um, right. So to to draw, <laughs> I'm. I'm a little bit Scully and a little bit Mulder, right. to put it in X-Files terms. Right. You know, um, but with all of the shit that's happening, that's going on, especially in the world right now, we're finding out that the government ha- is fully aware of active, unidentified flying objects. They have interactions recorded of our military in- interacting with these things, and they're just starting to release that now. Why? They've had this information. They're releasing films going back decades of proof that they have. Why are they telling us this now? Well, two things. What is going on with this COVID, you know? Yeah. Um, And that was because I thought thought that what I put on the show page was more than enough for us to talk about for an hour and a half because it's Saturday. And I I don't know if you have enough time or if we have enough time. Uh, I got like two and a half hours. So I got to do something. <laughs> oh, okay. So the thing is, getting back to HR six one seven two, the U.S. Freedom Reauthorization Act. There is nothing freedom about this. There's nothing free about this. There's nothing. There's nothing that that. Um, there's nothing in this bill that helps to maintain and preserve liberty. It is the exact opposite. Well, Go ahead. Well, hold on, hold on. If you look at the summary. It says the, the FBI may not seek FISA authorized orders to get call re- records on an ongoing basis to get a tangible thing. A person has reasonable expectation of privacy and a warrant would typically required. And they may not use it to obtain cellular or GPS location information. So it sounds like it is a further restriction on the FBI. So in applications for certain FISA authorized op- Orders, and I'm reading right right off of the bill on Mm -hmm. congress.gov, right? In applications for certain FISA authorized orders to obtain information or conduct surveillance, the applicant must certify that the DOJ has received any information that might raise doubts about the application. The bill imposes additional requirements on FISA authorized orders targeting either U.S. people or federally elected officials or candidates. It increases penalties for violations related to electronic surveillance conducted under color of law or false statements made to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, or also known as the FISA Court. Broadens criteria for when a FISA court decision shall be declassified and requires the declassification review and release of such opinion within 180 days of an opinion being issued. And it broadens the court's authority to appoint an amicus curiae, which is an outside party that assists in consideration of a case and expands such amici's powers, such as the power to ask the court to review its decision. And each agency that submits applications to the FISA court shall appoint an officer responsible for compliance with FISA requirements. So it does sound like it's kind of tethering the FBI and their abuse of uh, their abuse of surveillance expansion pertaining to FISA, foreign intelligence surveillance. Um, basically, this is a result of what happened with Trump. Right. It's essentially it. Now there's a whole stuff in the bill, and I haven't really had a chance to read through it all the way. But I understand why they call it freedom based on the summary. I'm not entirely sure if I agree with it or not. I've got to, I haven't, like I said, I haven't read all of the amendments and stuff that are in it. I'm waiting for the one that says it's going to build a bridge in Tennessee. 
right? Because there is there is a fight going on with, between different factions of the Senate and different factions of of the the Congress, the House of Representatives, to limit the power that the FBI can have to search your internet history and your private quote electronic papers or electric papers, whatever, uh, for no good reason. Now, one of the biggest reasons why the FISA courts have been in the news is because of this ongoing endless fishing expedition that the FBI and the Justice Department have been holding over Trump. They've been constantly looking for some way to impeach Donald Trump. They don't know if they, he actually committed a specific crime other than the affirmation uh, the the af the aforementioned emoluments clauses that we talked about in a previous episode or previous episodes they have them dead to rights using the office of the United States president or the presidency of the United States to bolster his own Trump organization brands and Trump has been caught a couple of times doing some pretty shady things like perfect example Trump University Trump University turned out to be a sham Turned out that they were handing they were handing out bogus degrees for for being real estate agents and, and successful businessmen and, and the the degrees weren't even worth the paper that they're written on. If you're willing to pay a couple of hundred dollars, they'll just send you they'll just send you the degree and, and that says in Latin, "I am smart." And there's a lot of things about Donald Trump that everybody everybody knows that there's the air of corruption around him. And they could have easily have gotten him on the emoluments clause if they just worked a little harder. But the, instead, they wanted to go for something juicier, things that would cause other people, the Republicans, to revolt, like the red baiting, saying that he's a Russian agent or a Russian spy. And it turns out that by, by actually reading and listening to this transcripts of the behind-closed-door hearings, they didn't have the goods on him. This was a, a big, huge propaganda ploy to get people to turn on him in the media. Like Rachel Maddow, MSNBC. Rachel Maddow kept saying that the walls are closing in, um, the hammer is about to fall, all of these other cliches about Donald Trump, you know, um, going to be nabbed for essentially treason. And it turned it was all nonsense. It was all made up. And meanwhile, the stuff that they could have nailed him on, he's getting away with. And nobody seems to care. And one of the things that the Senate and the Congress are doing right now is that they're fighting against each other to see if whether or not they could restrain the FISA court and at the same time settle once and for all the issue about the federal government being able to look at your web browser history. And a lot of this, like you said earlier, this all stems from Donald Trump being the target of all of these FISA warrants or one FISA warrant that never expired. And you listen to different sources and what they have to say about this HR bill. And what does it actually mean? What does it actually mean for America? And you'll get different answers. It's And, and it is. It's the Rorschach test of the week. What does this bill say and what does it really mean? And what are the long-term implications? And you can tell what side of the fence you're on by how you answer the question. What, 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 what is it about this bill? Well, I don't know. See, the thing is, I'm, as, you, as you were talking, I'm kind of reading through it. And 
it just seems eh, it seems really benign you know it doesn't it just it seems like it's just an extension of something that was passed earlier because a lot of it's in legalese which i do not have a degree in legalese although i do have a degree of bullshit which i always thought was kind of the same thing but you know the like here, Title IX, Disclosure for Relevant Information. The Attorney General or any other federal officer making application for a court order in this act shall provide the court with information, all the information in the possession of the government that is material to determining whether the application satisfies the applicable requirements under this act, including any exculpatory information and all information presented in the government that might reasonably call into question the accuracy of the application, blah, blah, blah. Basically, it sounds like you've got to follow what's already been established as shit you need to do. So I'm suspicious of why this is in there. And I kind of kind of wish I had I had read this before we went on the air because it's it seems benign, just like skimming through it, which means probably something hidden in there. We also have these other articles from the Hill. Our privacy is on the clock. It's too late for Congress to do to write the ship on warrantless surveillance, common sense, privacy perfection reforms can ensure our safety while also holding our government accountable. That's from The Hill. The Verge. Yeah. Congress reauthorized USA Freedom Act without warrantless web searches bans. Senate passes surveillance bill without a ban on web history snooping. The original rules expired in March. Um, the ACLU is all over this bill, and they think that this bill is horrible. You know, can, See, when, that's, when cons- yeah, go ahead. No, that's but that's that's kind of the thing, though. Everyone's saying this bill's horrible, and I'm reading through it, and I'm like, eh. I'm just I'm just reading this letter that was that was sent by the Government Accountability Project. Um, uh, sign on amendments to USA Freedom Reauthorization Act. 2020 and basically it's a a letter sent to this organization to a senators and congressmen basically outlining the fact that um how senator uh senator danes and weinman's uh, um amendments well i'm just going to read this here uh amendments prohibit the use of section 215 on warrantless surveillance of people in the united states internet search and browser history it is clearer today than ever before that the websites people browse and search online are deeply revealing. Many courts have already ruled that the collection of this inf- information okay. by law enforcement requires a warrant. Okay, hold on, hold on. Right. Let's take let's take kind of a a step to the side real quick. Okay. Because I think it's important for our listeners to understand exactly what we're talking about here. When your browser goes to a website. The vast majority of, of websites, you're probably seeing a pop-up now that says, hey, we use cookies. Right. Do you want to continue using cookies? Those cookies are pieces of code that are stored in your browser. So the next time you go to that website, that website has certain information pertaining to you. Right. Usually that is your physical location um, because, you know, Taxes, for example, are different in different states. So they gather where you are geographically in order to more accurately reflect the taxes that you're going to pay if you were to purchase something on that site. Sometimes it pertains to um, your 
whether you have a credit card stored with them or not. If you have a login, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have a login on that site, your 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 password and username information, so they'll automatically populate. Right. Typically, that's what's in there. However, your browser does store where you are physic, where your geographic location is, where you're physically located. Exactly. Yeah. Your browser does gather that information. Your browser has a cache, what's called a cache within it, that keeps track of where you've been. So if you've ever used your browser to look into the history of sites you've been to. All of that is stored and at the browser level, and any website can access that information. They can get there to gather that information yeah. and say, this is where you're, the advertising, like if, for example, my daughter and I were just talking, she just recently bought a car. She's getting a lot of advertising for new cars, and she's like, I already bought the damn car. Why the fuck are they showing me exactly. new advertising for buying another car? I can't afford to buy another car. Right. I just bought one. Right. So that's where <clears> – that's how the AdSense knows what you've been looking at and what you've been purchasing and what you've been browsing for, what you've been looking into. So all of that is done at the browser level. So when when we're talking about warrantless gathering of information, that's already happening. It's just whether the government can get access to it. The companies that you, whose websites you go to know what it is you're doing. Now, I do most of my browsing that I don't want the government or anyone else tracking. I do through what's called an incognito window, right? Right. Colloquially, we call it porn mode. And what that does is it does not store any cookies. Yes. It doesn't store any of that information. So your ISP knows where you went because a record is made because that's how they actually get you that information. Your internet service provider knows where you are and where you've been regardless of what browser you're using. Um if you're doing it on a work computer, your work will know what websites you've gone yep. to or even, any, even, any of that information. Even in incognito mode. Yes, even in incognito mode. And if you actually look at the warning that pops up when you go into incognito mode, that blank page tells you all this information. Right. It flat out says it. It says this is going to prevent it from us from storing it in the browser, but it's still available to blah, 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 blah. So the government has access to it simply by creating a, a what's called a referred to as a bot. So they can just basically create like a web crawler mm -hmm. that goes to your browser and gathers that information that's readily available. Right, Jay. Because that is, depending on how you want to think of it, because it's on the internet and it's not encrypted, it can be considered freely available information. So the debate that's going on legally between a whole bunch of people who don't understand the technology is whether or not the federal government should be able to gather that information with or without your permission. The irony of all that is that they're already recording everything we say whenever you're talking on a cell phone. They're already recording every email that gets sent. They're taking a copy of it. They already have all of this information so all they're really doing is saying, I need to file paperwork so I can look into the folder we already have on you. Exactly. It's whether they can look at the information, not, not gather it, because they're already gathering it. 
And that's something I think a lot of people don't really understand. What's what's the name the of this? I'm sorry. Has it. Go ahead. What's the name of the facility where all of this um, information is stored? It's well, I don't know the name of the facility, but I know it's in Bluffdale. And if you ever next time you're out here, I'll drive you down and we'll drive past it because I know exactly where it is. Everyone knows exactly where it is. Yeah, I think you're talking about. Um, oh, it's in the Bluffdale, U- Utah. Is is it the Utah Data Center? Well, okay, um, that's a bit like saying, "Is it Main Street in downtown area?" Because the Utah Data Center is. There's a lot of data centers in Utah, so Utah Data Center is a very vague designation for it. But this one is just owned by the government. So, like Bluffdale, Utah has that I've been in three data centers and I know there's at least another three or four that are there that I have not been in. So when you talk about a data center, data center is just a big environmentally controlled room where they keep the computers that store the websites that you go to. Yeah. And there's private data centers, which are used, which are owned and run by a company. And then there's what they call colos, which a company owns the data center and then they rent out space in it to other companies. Right. Colo being short for co-location. Right. Because this, I'm just going to read this from, this is from Wikipedia. Um, so obviously it's Wikipedia. Take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> Take, you know, the Utah Data Center, also known as the Intelligence Community Comprehensive National Cybersecurity Initiative Data Center, is a data storage facility for the United States intelligence community that is designed to store data estimated to be on the order of exabytes or larger. Its purpose is to support the comprehensive comprehensive National Cybersecurity Initiative, CNCI, through its precise mission is classified. The National Security Agency, NSA, leads the operation at the facility as the exclusive, yeah, as the executive agent for the Director of National Intelligence. It is located at Camp Williams near Bluffdale, Utah, between Utah Lake and Great Salt Lake, and was completed in May of 2019 at a cost of $1.5 billion. The Utah Data Center, codenamed Bumblehive, is the first... Bumblehive? Yes! <laughs> is the first intelligent community comprehensive national cybersecurity initiative data center designed to support the U.S. intelligence community. The, quote, massive data repository, unquote, is designed to cope with with the large increase in digital data that has accompanied the rise of the global internet. Okay, so... When they say exabytes of data, right. okay, everyone's familiar with megabytes and gigabytes and now terabytes. Right. So there's 1,024 megabytes and a gigabyte, 1,024 gigabytes and a terabyte. There's 1,024 terabytes in an exabyte. And then there's 1,024 exabytes in a petabyte. Okay. So that's a lot of data. That is a lot of data. Right. It's just shit ton. I mean, we're talking, if you were to take it and print it out, and I think a terabyte, if I remember correctly, if you were to take out a terabyte and print it on paper, an entire terabyte worth of data, you would have enough paper to go to like, I think it's the 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 top of the arch in St. Louis. I think that's a terabyte if you were to print it yeah. out on paper. And yeah. I could be 
drastically underestimating that. Right. So figure 1,024 times that. You're going re- higher than any building that has ever been built by man. Right. Right. You're talking sheets. You're talking about sheets of paper laid one on top of the other. Right. Like you buy a ream of paper in a store and then right. you have to stack. Okay. There's like four or five sheets per kilobyte of data. Okay. Something like that, depending on what font you're using and blah, 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 blah. But standard like 12 point font, they're going to use four or five sheets per kilobyte as I understand things. And this is based on very old information that I had, that I had been, I had learned over the years. So you're talking, I mean, this is a lot of information. A petabyte of information is practically low orbit. I just, I just want to just interject here Uh and and just say that this is information that they're keeping on you, not Jason Cousineau, not Eric Fisk, but you, the listener. The NSA is gathering information, your browser data, in the in places like the Utah Data Center. I don't believe this is the only one, Jay. I'd be surprised if it was. I would be surprised if it's if there. I would be surprised if there isn't at least one in every region of the country. Like there's probably there could be one data center for the northeast there's one for the northwest um southwest no i would say there's probably no more than there's probably no more than three you think so simply because well first of all you've got to have the land you've got to be able to afford the land for it you've got to put in the facility like i spoke with one of the guys that actually was building the data center and when i say building the data center i mean literally he drove the truck that they used to dig out when they were digging out the dirt and he was telling me it's at least six floors down under the ground at least six so he was working on that i spoke to him that was in like 2013 2014 yeah. when i spoke to him and according to what you just read they finished it last year in 2019 right and opened it up i wouldn't be surprised. so you yeah you you know the if you're hitting bedrock when you're going down that deep, that gets a really expensive really quickly to get rid of that 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 accumulated dirt and rock and shit. You also have to have a populace in that area that's filled with people who are capable of getting a security clearance and have the technological know-how to work within that data center. Right. A data center of that size is going to employ a shit ton of people. So no offense, but in Massachusetts, in the New New England area, you have the people, a bunch of people have the technology. You don't have as many people who have the capability of getting the security clearance mm-hmm. as well. So I don't think that there's going to be one in every region. I think there's probably two or three throughout the United States. And that's it. I really just simply because of the logistics to operate a data center of that size, first of all, to make it, second of all, to maintain it. And I just don't see there being that many of them, probably two or three. This one we know about. Right. This is one we know about. There's probably at least one more that we don't know about, probably two more, if you want good geo-redundancy. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's there. And again, this is not information that they're sneaky bastards by collecting. Right. If you know what you're doing with your internet connection at home, you can do exactly what they do. I could do the same thing to my kids. I do. I was just, I just did a quick search uh, using DuckDuckGo. And I'm going to talk about DuckDuckGo in a second here. 
um, mm-hmm. from uh, Business Insider. These towering, windowless, bomb-proof buildings in major U.S. cities are reportedly part of an under-the-radar partnership between AT&T and the NSA. Um, the picture that they have here is, is that the 21-story building in New York City that can survive a, a, a nuclear blast. Um, eight AT&T buildings around the United States, many fortified, used as sites where the NSA can tap into phone, text, browsing records from around the world, documents suggest. So AT&T... Again, this is... Yeah. You can, if you have, from like my apartment, I could, if if I had the right knowledge, which I don't, I am not someone who does code, but this is all information that is available on the internet. If you think of the internet, like when we think of our connection to the internet, we think of physic what it is physically. It's a cable that goes into the wall, connects to another cable, goes to another cable, goes to another cable, blah, blah, blah. Right. But conceptually, the internet, the entire internet is available through that cable. Mm-hmm. So that means if you just throw out a net, right, code speaking, if you throw out a net, you're going to grab everything on the internet that you're looking for. If you're looking for the header information on emails, you can find out every single person whose email gets sent, where who is sending it, and how it got there. That's what the header information is. Mm-hmm. It has the email inform- the email um, address of who sent it, the email address of who the recipients are. But it also has the relay information that says it went through this switch, that switch, blah, 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 blah. Okay? You can get all that. You can get all that sitting in your home. Right. This is not hidden, secured information that they're gathering. They are gathering publicly available information. What they're doing is no different than walking through a crowded mall and just listening to what the conversations are around them. Yeah. Not that I do that. Not that I do that. Not that I've actually. Well, not that anyone does. (laughs) And that's that's irrelevant because if you're standing in a mall in, in a crowded public space, if you're standing outside in a public area, right, you have no reason to assume what you're saying to right. each other is private. There's no reason to assume that because anyone walking can hear you. But the There's thing is, no is reason to do that with social media. You want to advertise and let everybody know what you're doing, what kind of day you're having. You're advertising. You're almost essentially. Oh, social media is a. Social media is a wonderful, wonderful boon to human human intelligence, right? You want to show everybody where you wait. Okay, great. Now everyone, now people who are thinking and are you have this kind of frame of mind, they know what restaurant you're at. They know what table you're at. Yeah. They know you're not home. You know, one of the things that they say, you know, for security reasons, like if you, depending on what your job is when you're at work, you have to take various courses on security yeah. and they'll tell you if you go on vacation don't post any pictures of your vacation until after you're back home that's scary well it's it's again it's, it's freely sense. available information all it takes is common sense it's like you throw something in the garbage anyone can go through that garbage once it's on the oh, end of the street ask me how i know ask me how <laughs> i know but it's this is even easier than that right Right. It's like I always remind people that an email is like a postcard. Right. Anyone who gets hold of it can read what it says. But it's actually even 
better than that. It's even more freely available than that because when you put a postcard into your mailbox, legally no one is allowed to go into that except for the post office and you. Right, but we know Then once the post office has it, they are legally, they can only contain control of it until they deposit it in the destination mailbox. So legally speaking, it is eh, somewhat secure. Anyone in the post office can read it and they're not breaking any laws because it's a postcard. Right. However, an email doesn't have the same strictures on it that a postcard has physically because I can't walk up to any mailbox, open it up and read what's inside of it legally. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Legally, I can cast a net into the internet and capture any email traffic that gets yeah. sent out. Yeah. Read it. Let's, yeah. That's not illegal. That is not against the law. Unless they've changed the laws in the last, I think it was last year or the last time I looked it up. This Unless might, they've changed yeah. the laws, that's it. Yeah. This might actually be the law or the amendment to the law, the Reauthorization Act. That might actually be the argument and the debate within the House and the Senate debating on exactly that. And well, they, and that's where, again, the it's well, a fine line because it's not illegal for them to gather the data. It's illegal for them to look the data. I think that's, yeah, I think that's just like. It's I, a fine I, line. That's what this is saying. In order yeah. for them to look at the data they already have, this is not allowing them to collect it. It's allowing them to look at it and use it. Right, right. Um, I also wanted to sort of take the time to talk to you about the federal government buying riot gear. From The Intercept, federal government buys riot gear, increasing security funding, citing coronavirus pandemic. Sputnik International, U.S. spending... This is where we get yes. into my favorite conspiracy theory regarding the COVID. Okay. U.S. spending millions on riot gear, private security in response to pandemic. Western News, Fed buying up riot gear for a veterans department that used to be unarmed. The Blaze, take this with a grain of salt because it's from Glenn Beck's organization. Federal government stockpiling on riot gear because of COVID-19, report says. Now, this is where Jay goes into full conspiracy theorist mode. <laughs> Go, Jay. All right. Here's the deal. Why do the quarantine? Why do the quarantine? This is a virus that is only deadly to certain segments of the population that have underlying health conditions. That's what we've been told from the very beginning, and they've been very consistent about that. So we can assume that that's reasonably true. So, I also want to interject here, Jay, really quickly. Mm -hmm. People who smoke, people who vape, people who, who have uh, problems with asthma already, they are also more susceptible to some of the yeah. COVID-19 symptoms. So it's not Those just this, the, it's just, unquote, and, and yeah. obese and obesity. obese. If you are, if you are a certain level of obesity or more, you are very much in danger from COVID-19. Right. Okay. So there's a, a lot of, when the, we say underlying health issues, those underlying health issues are, they know what they are. Right. They're very specific. If you have asthma, if you have diabetes, depending on how bad you have your diabetes. But with asthma, if you get COVID and you have asthma, chances are you're going to die. Unfortunately. Your lungs are going to fill up with fluids. Your body's going to dehydrate itself, producing those fluids to go into your lungs and it will kill you. Yeah. Okay. This is information that they've told us about, right? So now why would they release all of that information while at the same time they're now buying riot gear? It's all about control. You do this 
in the shadow of HR 6666, where they're going to actually be hiring people to do contact tracing. I'm not getting into this like I did last week. We did like more than an hour on this. Yep. Okay. They, they are giving themselves the authorization. If you have, and I, and I didn't realize this until after we recorded the episode and I went back and I looked at the law. HR 666 gives them to do contact tracing for COVID-19 preventions, spreading, prevent, preventing spreading and other reasons. And isn't that um, other reasons and other reasons and other reasons and other reasons. That's a rather important phrase, man. That's a rather important phrase. So that after the COVID-19 epidemic and pandemic and quarantine is over, they still have this provision for other reasons. Now, who's going to determine other reasons? It's not going to be you. It's not going to be me. It's for whoever is in power to say we have the, we have trace because we have the trace law. We can go through your history and see everywhere where you've been and who you've been with for the past six weeks, thanks to trace. And that ought to be a little scary. The whole part of the for other reasons, not just COVID-19, but for other reasons. Right. And that's where, again, the, the cautionary note that has been blasted from as many bullhorns as I can fucking blast it from. And I'm not the only one doing this. We have to be cautious as to what powers we allow the government to have during in a crisis because they are not going to give them up. Not easily. The crisis is over. Not easily. No, they're not. No. They are not going to give them up when the crisis is over. They may tell you they have. They may claim they have, but they're not giving them up. They're just going to change the name. They're going to call it something else. There'll be a new buzzword that's out there, and that's going to be the same damn thing, right? Yeah. So like now is we have traits. So they are, they are physically tracking where you go because we all have these handy-dandy phones that have GPS in them. GPS is done predominantly through government-owned or government-licensed satellites. That's mm-hmm. how GPS works. Yeah. So the government has all of that information. Again, this is information they have, and the bullshit is just whether or not they can use it or not. So that's what that bill does, is it says we can use this GPS information because we need to do it to stop the spread by finding out where people have already been. Yeah. How can you stop the future by looking at the past? How are they? How is me, them knowing that I've been to Idaho? I went to Idaho two weeks ago. Gonna stop me from infecting anyone else if they know I've been there in the past? What are they gonna do? Tell me I can't go again? I don't know. I That's don't my know. point. That's my point. Is is it doesn't make any sense even on the face of it. It's pretty terrifying. How is gathering? Right. I mean, I can and people can say, well, they can get they can get an idea of your travel habits, blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. Okay, that's nice. But if I had COVID two weeks ago and I went up there, guess what? They're not stopping shit by preventing me from going back up there again because no. it's already been infected. A horse is already out of the barn. Well, they're trying to see, right. And they can say, well, we just want to see how it's spread. Okay, fine. You can see how it's spread. What good is that going to do you? It's not. We already know it's spread. Pretty much there is a good chance the majority of the population has already had COVID-19. My son and I actually got into a discussion about this. My son is a very um, passionate person when it comes to saving lives. 
And he said it's worth it to him personally. It's worth it if we tank the economy to save just one human life. I'm like, okay, but now we're in quarantine and people are dying as a result of being in quarantine and being stuck in their house. Right. Domestic abuse has gotten up. People are dying from being from being locked up with an, an abusive spouse. People are dying because they're depressed and they're not able to go out and do the things that that they normally would yeah. do to battle that depression. And they're committing suicide. There's there's studies out there now that are saying, okay, this quarantine is we're getting to the point where okay, they're not dying of COVID nineteen, they're dying of something else. So what's the point? Right. Like if you're dying of what depression and suicide, what's the point of all of this? Now, I I admire him for at least taking a stand. I don't agree. And that's what I told him, too. I'm like, hey, good for you, but you're not the one in charge. You know, there's a lot that they have to do that they may personally disagree with. Right. Like, for example, Thomas Jefferson did the Louisiana Purchase and did not he got elected saying he did not want to expand the borders of the United States. But at the time, given the information he had, that was what would have been best for the United States. Because then it wouldn't be bought by one of our enemies. Right. So as a leader, you have to sometimes put aside your personal interests. So all of the governors of all these states who are making these decisions, they're looking at the information and saying, okay, how many people are going to die from covid if we ease the quarantine, how many people are, what's the damage going to be to our economy if we continue the quarantine? And that's something that has to be answered individually by each governor, because the answer for California is different than it is for Rhode Island or for Ohio or South Dakota or Utah or Tennessee or Massachusetts. Each governor has to make that decision for themselves. That's why we elect them. And when people go in and they play the Monday morning quarterback and they say they shouldn't have done that, well, given the information they had at the time, well, they're a horrible leader. Why? Because they made a decision you disagree with, given the information they have at the time, which is, by the way, more than the information you had in hindsight. You know, it's like those people that say Bush lied about the weapons of mass destruction. It's like, all right, well, Considering the intelligence agencies of countries that don't like us were agreeing with our intelli- what our intelligence was saying us, that's not a lie. He may have been wrong, but it does, wasn't a lie. He was operating on the information he had at the time. The information he had at the time said they existed. Right. They know they had. Keeping in mind that this was also around the time of the oil for food crisis that was going on through the United Nations where there were people who were actually benefiting from and profiting off of the um, the program, whereas there were people, right. people Again, were taking I, kickbacks. And we're getting off track here. Yeah, I, I don't want to don't sideline too much, but the fact remains is that leadership, our government leaders have more information than we do. They're consulting with not just one doctor, yeah. but they're consulting with two or three doctors who are being – fed their information from different sources of doctors. They're being, you know, consulted with virologists, sociologists, psychologists. You know, when you go into a quarantine, there's a mental component to that, you know, like, for example, domestic abuse. If someone is being domestically abused, but they're not telling anyone because they're ashamed or they're afraid or whatever reason that they have for doing it, and I'm not passing judgment on them, But if they're being abused at home and they don't tell people what's going to happen when they're locked up at home with that person, with that abuser, 
And then on top of that, they're going to think they can't do anything because what are the cops going to do? They can't take me out of this home. We're under quarantine. That is sad. And that is scary. It is. But this is, re- unfortunately, this is reality for people. Hopefully a, a, a very small minority, but we don't know. We don't honestly know. I want to... S- now, for example, someone I know was raped during this COVID-19 craziness. That person is trying to get counseling, but they, they can't. They can't go to a counselor's office. They've got to do it online if they can. And then they found a counselor and that counselor got COVID-19 and now they can't even do, vi- you know, can't even do video conferencing. I don't know why you can't do video conferencing if you have COVID-19, but whatever. I'm sure it has more to do with they don't, you know, want people to see them looking like shit yeah. than anything else. Because that has, you know, if you're the person who's telling you you can get through this looks like they're a step away from death's door. You're right. probably not going to be getting as reassured as you otherwise would be. Right. But still, there's unintended consequences to the quarantine. And the people that are saying we should continue this through 2022, they're batshit fucking crazy. I think they are. And I think that we've established about that. But one of the things that I think that we really do have to discuss about this entire situation here, Jay, is Mm -hmm. that they're already planning. They're already planning for riots. They know riots are coming because people are not going to stay at their homes. People are not going to continue to quarantine when nobody is actually seeing the benefits of, of the quarantine and the things we're not seeing. I mean, with the exception of like the news item that we talked about earlier in the show of the mass graves that are being dug in Brazil. We, I mean, the mass graves that were being built outside of New York city in, on Hart Island. One of the other news stories that we talked about is that the, the entire country of China had literally tens of millions of people suddenly stop using their cell phones altogether, period. That's it. Can't service suspended or or whatever. Like literally tens of like somewhere, I think somewhere around 40 million people stopped using their cell phones all at once and they never came back online. And people are saying that's a sign of how many people had died that month. Around 40 million, I think was the figure. I can't remember for sure. And there's all these signs that say this is far more serious than they're letting on. Now, is it because they're overinflating the numbers or is there some or, or they're or are they doing something else? That's well, nefarious? that's just it. And when it comes to like China is an authoritarian government, they really are. And in a crisis like this, an authoritarian government is going to be able to clamp down on its populace more than a more freedom oriented government. So living in the United States and having freedom, freedom is dangerous. Freedom is dangerous. We have to remember that. There is a price we pay for living in a free society. And part of that is when the government says, hey, we, we say there should be a lockdown. There's going to be a certain segment of the population that says, hey, I say fuck you. Right. And they're going to go out and they're going to ignore everything. I know because I tend to be one of those people. No. You know, <laughs> I know you're shocked to hear that, but that's part of living in a free society. Okay. You are, there are going to be people who do things that may or may not be the smartest thing to do. Now, me having done that, like just before the big lockdown happened, I was in Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. We came back and they locked everything down almost immediately after we got back. You got lucky. From, from Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, we got lucky. You know, would I have still gone to my daughter's wedding in Georgia if they had locked down and said no one's allowed to fly? Knowing me, I probably would have. 
Yeah, knowing you, you probably would have walked if you had to. If I had to, yes, I would have. You know, but was that is that necessarily the healthiest thing to do in terms of like preventing the spread of the coronavirus? Who knows? I honestly don't know. But the point is, is living in a free society, I have that right. I have the freedom to be a stupid idiot. Right. Whereas if we were in China and they issued the lockdown and I said, well, fuck that. I'm going to my, my daughter's wedding anyway. There'd be a guy with a gun standing in the street told me to go back into my house. And when I told him to fuck off, he would shoot me. Mm -hmm. That's what authoritarian governments are. So, yeah, there is, I guess you could call it a benefit if you want. So you can be a slave, a very, very healthy slave who weathers out all of these dangerous, um, you know, diseases as they come about. Or you could be taking a chance on your own health and well-being by living in a free society. So those millions of people or whatever in China that suddenly stopped using their cell phones. Is that because the government shut down the cell phone towers? Because the government owns all that. You got to remember in China, they own it. So they could just say, okay, we don't want any information getting out. We turned off the cell phones. Yeah. No one can get out. We've set up a firewall on the internet. No one is sending any information outside of the boundaries of China. They can do that. Right. They have the technology and the capability and the control because they're an authoritarian government. Does that mean people are dead? Oh, we don't the know. The point is not letting anyone know. But and we can make the assumption, but that may not be an accurate assumption. Yeah. Just no, I mean, just just, I mean, just to put it yeah. just to just to put a cap on this, they're getting ready for riots. They know riots are coming. They know people are going to riot if this goes on too long. It's already started to happen. And I think that the, uh, the, the notion that they are ready to use force, deadly force, to quell a lot of the riots because a lot of people are starting to ask questions about whether or not the, the quarantine is doing any good or if it's doing more harm than good is people are, 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 are going, people are going into action. Because they don't believe that the quarantines are actually benefiting anymore. And people are going to start going out. De Blasio from New York City said that if people are in the water, if they go to the beach and they go into the water, they will be pulled out and they will be arrested on Memorial Day. Kind of like the opposite of that mayor in Jaws about how, you know, <laughs> it's the exact opposite. And yeah. maybe, maybe the mayor should have said, if we see you going into the water with this killer shark. <laughs> we are going to pull you out. And the thing is, it, it was just, you can't expect people to stay in their houses for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and not go a little crazy. We are literally starting to see what's happening with people and how it's taking a toll on their mental health by staying in all the time. Are people getting oh, yeah, sick? People are getting sick. But also people, people, people are people are running out of money. And I know that we're sort of perseverating on this since we made this point before in other episodes. People are starting to run out of money. People are so bored at work. This is how bad it's gotten with the quarantine. People are so bored. They actually want to go back to work. Yeah, they they're sick and tired of the drudgery. How many how yeah. many more things can Netflix release early to keep people at home 
and tuned in and engaged on, on, on what's on the television. People have had enough. Hey, hold on a second. Have you had enough of the quarantine? Do you want to go places now? Do you want to get out of the house? I mean, yes, but I'd rather not get sick. He'd rather not get sick. Yeah, but that's just it. That's only going to work for so long. It depends on the personality of the people involved, right? Yeah. I live in, I live at the fringes of the most densely populated area in the deep west. So right. like if, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Nevada, um, Arizona, the most populated area in those states is the Salt Lake Valley, followed by Las Vegas. I'm going to go take a road trip tomorrow. I'm going to drive about three and a half, four hours. I'm probably going to see less than 100 people throughout the course of that three and a half, four hours. I just don't live in a very densely populated area. That's why the stringent quarantine that they're doing in New York is not a valid concern in, say, Wyoming. I forget if it's Wyoming or Montana that's the least densely populated state in the lower 48. But it's one of those two. It's crazy. What I actually... It's absolutely crazy. Before we run out of time here, and late last night I sprung this on you, and I said to you, do a search for ferociously Steph and dear gas. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. Yes, and I did, you evil bastard. You are welcome. You are welcome. Now, the reason why I bring this up, because we're talking, the entire theme of this episode is dystopia rising. And another part of what I wanted to talk about is how people are starting to have enough with a lot of the bullshit that's going on in the world right now. This isn't the most important issue in the world right now, but it it how it's being handled. It's a, well, not just how it's being handled, but also it's a, it's an insight into why the government's starting to buy a riot gear. Because if you do a, if you do a search of deergasm, and if you're not just a little bit angry and you're not willing to take to the streets and flip some cars over, you're not paying attention because the 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 issue that we've had and and. Dave Chappelle had said this, said something about this on, on one of his most recent Netflix special or Netflix specials. People are sort of started had enough with some of the militant alphabet people, as he likes to call it. Whereas if if they don't like you and you criticize them for a legitimate reason, you can be deplatformed. This is not a criticism towards any of the LGBTQ people out there. I don't know. And let me let, let they're me individuals. They're individuals. I don't care about your sexuality. I really don't. I, I don't care if you're gay, you're bi, you're lesbian, you're trans. I don't care. I'm not I, I don't mean this as, as being callous. I'm saying this because it doesn't affect me. Your sexuality has nothing to do with me and it shouldn't have anything to do with me. Your sexuality There's, does not affect me. Well, your sexuality means as much to me as my sexuality means to you and has as much effect on you as mine does. You know what I mean? I don't. Yeah. And you're my friend. Yeah. You're my friend. I care about you. And I hope that you will be in a good relationship someday. I want nothing but the best for you. I want nothing but the best for other people. And I want other people to be happy. That's all that matters. The, the problem that I have is that if I criticize somebody who's being an asshole and that person is really being an asshole and they're using their LGBTQ status to silence people for criticizing them for legitimate reasons, 
That's a huge problem, and that's another form of tyranny and dystopia. Perfect example is that Twitch has included this trans person. I'm not sure if he's he became a she or she became a he. I'm not sure. Well, they self-identify as a deer. Okay. That's the other wrinkle to this. So ferociously Steph has been on is been um put on the Twitch Safety Advisory Council, which I which I guess it you know, it's an anti I don't even know what the fuck that is. I think it's an anti-bullying um I'm actually like reading this right here. I I actually had it right here on our um show notes. Introducing the Twitch Safety Advisory Council from May 14th, 2020 from Twitch. Keeping our community safe and healthy is a top priority for Twitch. Today, we're excited to announce the formation of the Twitch Safety Advisory Council, which will support the growth of our community moving forward. The Safety Advisory Council will inform and guide decisions made at Twitch by contributing their experience, expertise, and belief in Twitch's mission of empowering communities to create together. The council will advise on a number of topics, including drafting new policies and policy updates, developing products and features to improve safety and moderation, promoting, uh, promoting healthy streaming and work-life balance habits, protecting the interests of marginalized groups, identifying emerging trends that could impact the Twitch experience. This group is composed of online safety, safety experts and Twitch creators who have deep understandings of Twitch, its content, and its community. When developing this council, we felt it was essential to include both experts who can provide external perspective as well as Twitch streamers who deeply understand creators' unique challenges and viewpoints. Each member of the council was carefully selected based on their familiarity with Twitch community and their relevant personal and professional experiences. Okay, and you look at the, hmm. the you look at the people who they had um, put on their safety council, and I I can I'm looking at all of these all of these people, and I can kind of understand. Wait a minute, what's this? Ferociously, Steph. Steph has been a full time streamer since her debut playing competitive collegiate Heroes of Storm in 2016. She is one of the first transgender streamers to ever be partnered on Twitch and the first to bring transgender pride flag emote to the platform. Her fight for inclusivity includes creating a competitive team composed com entirely of marginalized gamers and vehemently oppose non-inclusive mechanics such as voice chat voice chat how is that non-inclusive i have no i have no idea and it's i like, mean is it non-inclusive because like if you're a trans person you can't get it to work because that would be non-inclusive i don't understand. or is it non-inclusive because people are assholes her in whole general? her whole entire thing is is that um uh, she does she doesn't believe smack talk should be allowed on twitch and I mean, people can get rude, people can get crude, people can get nasty, and I don't think it's necessarily helpful that any of that happens. Right. However, comma, da fuck. Da fuck. No smack talking? No smack talk. 
Do you remember? Do you? Uh, we were pl- we had smack talk when we were playing fucking pong. <laughs> Four bit fucking video game. We were talking smack. Okay. I mean, we were talking smack when we were playing baseball in little, you know, in in little league baseball. We were talking smack. I mean, it's part of being in the competition. So I. I think what she should probably be arguing against more than whatever the fuck it is she's arguing against is the fact that, you know, people talk shit in general because that's just part of being human. Right. People do that. Is it necessarily a good thing? No, No. not necessarily. Is it nice? I'm going to go out on a limb and say no, but it's, it's a human thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure the fucking cavemen back in the day, you know, Thog would come back with like a brontosaurus leg or whatever. And then, you know, little Thistle came back with like, you know, a dead squirrel. And Thog was giving him shit. Ferociously Steph has been on a couple of clips saying how she has the power to block people on Twitch for no good reason. And people ought to be afraid of her. Well, see, that's where... I have a problem with it. You've got someone who is, she does, I I saw in one video, she was doing this little dance saying that no one can take the power away from her. Twitch can. That she, sweet, she has the power and no one can take it away and and she's awesome and everyone needs to just fucking deal with it. And it's like, all right, you are clearly power drunk. Right. At that point. And you're entitled to your opinion. But Twitter can still fire your ass if you go too far. Twitch. and Twitch. Twitch, Twitch, excuse me. Twitch can still fire your ass if you go too far. The truth of the matter is someone gives you power, that person can take that power away from you, which is why it's so important that people realize that the, uh, the Bill of Rights is not the government granting us those, those rights. It's what the government cannot take away from us because they did not grant us those rights. It's a very, very important lesson to learn in life. And I feel bad for this ferociously stuff. I feel bad for her. Right. Because clearly she's dealing with a lot of issues. Okay. Um, the internet in general is not known to be very, shall we say, accepting. Right. Right. Look at what happened with, what was her name? Rose Tam. That was in the second Star Wars right. movie. You know, she had to get off of Twitter because people were giving her hate because she's not a twig, thin, beautiful girl. Yeah, Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah, Kelly Marie Tran. She played the character she played was Rose. Right. You know, and she did a great job. I don't think it's a great character, but that's not her fault. As an actress, she did a great job in the role, but she had to get off of Twitter because people were being such assholes to her. Right. And then there was that article you sent me about what's her name, Hannah Kimura. Right. Who committed uh, oh, oh. suicide. She was a professional wrestler who committed suicide because of all the hate she was getting. Yeah. Cyberbullying is very, very real and has very, very real consequences to the people who are being bullied. And that's that we could do practically an entire fucking show on, on that alone. On cyberbullying. But the thing yeah. is, what happens when the when it's somebody in the LBGTQ community? That is doing the bullying. Well, that's just it. Her dancing around saying, I have the power and you all have to deal with it. If I was someone sitting at the Twitch board of directors looking at that, I'm like, all right, we need to show her that she's wrong 
because she does not have the power unless we give it to her. And what we give, we can take away because she's she could turn into a Nazi. That's the thing that people don't understand. Oh, right. Hitler was an abused child. He was picked on as a kid. He was marginalized. Hitler was the first school shooter, if you want to think of it that way. Yeah. You know, he failed out of art school, which if you've ever seen his art, you can understand why. But these people who are who get marginalized and then they get power and then they can get drunk on power. Those yeah. are the ones that you need to worry about because there's plenty of people who are marginalized that you give them power. And the first thing they want to do is help people and make things better for everybody. Those are the people who should get the power. The people who get drunk and are like, I'm going to punish anyone who made me feel bad. Those are the ones that should not have the power. Sorry, kind of ranted a little bit there. And the thing is, is that I have, I have no, because going through and reading some of the things that she had said and some of the things like she, like she, you, she, now she's claiming somebody hacked her account, but, but, and on, well, then on, they should get hired for Photoshop skills immediately because, damn, that was convincing. On on Twitter, on Twitter, she's using the N word, and then she on what on one minute she's using the N word to talking about blacks she doesn't like apparently, and then she's like calling calling cisgendered men. All cisgendered men are white supremacists and and they're haters. Yeah, and I and what I what I don't understand. Is that did Twitch vet ferocious Steph? Well, did, hold on. Did, did they vet her? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna jump on the band on a bandwagon and say the Twitch staff fucked up because we don't know if she was saying anything like that beforehand. Everything okay. I've seen about her has been since she was put on this council. Okay. Um. At the same time, though, if as I said, if I was sitting on that board of directors who created that council i'd be looking at her calling her up and saying okay you've got two options here getting fired or waking the hell up and realizing what you're doing is wrong okay so we'll give you this chance you have three days 24 hours 48 hours whatever the fuck they feel like giving right and then if she doesn't go out there and say look i said some things i got a little happy i was a little drunk on the power i'm going to you know what I mean? If she doesn't do something like that within that time frame, then she doesn't deserve the position that she's right. been offered, plain and simple. And it has nothing to do with the fact that she's transgendered. It has more to do with the fact that she's an asshole. I think it has more to do with the fact that people who have been criticizing her in the past couple of days or the past week or so have seen some pretty strange things happen to their uh, their account. Now, this is the reason why I wanted to bring in Dallas Kennard onto the podcast and talk about what he what he experienced this week. I was watching oh, okay. I was watching him doing a live feed on Facebook where he was basically talking about the same thing that that we're talking about. He was talking about how a member of the LGBTQ community was being called out for inappropriate behavior and the person who was called out who was ca- doing the calling out was 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 called was called out for participating in hate speech because they were saying something negative about the member of the LGBTQ community who was misbehaving. Does that make any sense? And while I'm watching his live stream, his live stream was cut and paused right when he said some of the most controversial things on his live stream. Dallas was talking about how 
It's not fair and it's not right that you can't be honest and have an honest conversation about how even members of the LGBTQ community have a habit of misbehaving and doing wrong and doing bad. And then his live feed would cut. And it happened three times while I'm watching it. He'd say things benign, like, I, I, don't, I don't care if you're, I don't care if you're a pansexual. I don't care if you're gay, bi, straight. I, it doesn't affect me. I don't understand your lifestyle. I'm, I don't hate you. I just don't understand it. I don't, and, and I don't think that you should be bullied. I don't think that you should be harassed. You should be allowed to live your life the way you want to live it and, and, and be on your way. His feed wasn't cut at all when he was saying things that were upbeat and embraceive. The minute you say, if somebody in the LGBTQ community do, says or does something that's wrong, you should be able to call that person out and say, you're doing wrong. And the thing is, you, and then that's when they get cut. That's, and then that's when Dallas got cut. That's what you call ironic. Thank you for thank you for proving the point that ugh. you're not. This is the thing that a lot of people are starting to wake up to. If you're if you're not allowed to criticize these people when they're obviously doing something wrong and they're being obnoxious, then there are no equal rights. Yeah. Then they are part of the privileged class. The idea that because they can because they can't do any wrong. Because maybe ferociously Steph has the power to ban people and demonetize people from the platform where she's a quote ruler of. Yeah. That's not biased. That's not bigoted behavior. That's not hate speech. Do you think How that is that not a violation of what she's supposed to be safeguarding? Exactly. And is ferociously Steph going to get fired from Twitch for doing this? Is she for using the N word? Calling black people the N-word. And when I mean the N-word, I'm not meaning nerd. Yeah. So here's, this is where I struggle, right? Because again, as a private company, Twitch can do whatever they want. They can also get punished for it by the people who use their services. Sure. In other words, if Twitch doesn't do something about this power mad person who is offensive in the extreme to the sensibilities of people all over, then are, are people willing to walk away from the platform and essentially demonetize it? Because that's the other thing people right. tend to forget. We can demonetize YouTube by stopping using it. Oh, absolutely. I got into it. It'd a, be nice yeah. if we had another place we could go because that would be great. But the truth of the matter is right now, YouTube is it. You've got YouTube and Vimeo, and Vimeo is essentially a branch of YouTube. There is actually, the, yeah, there's well, a, other than like porn sites, but there are actually other platforms that are trying to take a bite into um, YouTube. YouTube. Biggest news this week for podcasters: Joe Rogan is leaving YouTube and is moving yep. to Spotify. I think Spotify is now going to be doing video as well. Well, that would be awesome. I got, and I got into a fight with somebody, not a physical fight, but a verbal fight with somebody who asked me, how come we're not on YouTube? I have a yeah. YouTube account. You don't understand that Jay and I say things that are a little controversial. Yeah. And if we were making a living at, at being YouTubers and Jay said, the well, we word, wouldn't be anymore. We wouldn't be any <laughs> anymore. If, if if Jay said fuck one too many times in a half an hour 
and YouTube said, we don't like people who say fuck six times every half hour. You're fucked. You're out of here. You're gone. There are people who don't like the fact that you and I curse sometimes. You a little more than me. But a little. A little. I'm offended. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot more. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. You, but there, if you, if, and I said this before, if you don't like our show, don't listen to our show. If you don't like the Fedora Chronicles radio show, News of the Week with Jay Cousineau, because we're too conservative, quote, or whatever, or we're too libertarian, or we're too crazy conspiracy theorists, don't listen to us. This show is not for you. But if we put it on YouTube and we start making a living and we depend on that income, if I quit my job because I'm doing News of the Week with Jay Cousineau on YouTube, and YouTube takes away our income, then we're screwed. Yep. If we, if you depend on that income and then they take away that income, what do you do? And there's no going back. What do you do? I refuse to do the podcast on platforms that could remove us because they don't like the fact that one of us debates on, on whether or not we're being the told the truth or not about the coronavirus and that we're conspiracy theorists. And now Facebook is starting to deplatform conspiracy theorists. Yep. It's part of that whole um, information that may be harmful to listeners think because they know more than you do about what you should be and should not right. be exposed to. Some, some person asked me, why don't we use a content management system like Blogger or WordPress? And now it turns out that WordPress says, we don't want you using our CMS anymore because we don't like your hate speech. Did they really? Oh, yeah. Well, that's fucked up. Google has been deplatforming people and removing people off of their platform who engage in, quote, hate speech. Well, what hate speech? No, you know what? You know what hate speech? No, I don't know. Yeah. Arbitrary reasons, yeah, then, Jay. Arbitrary reasons. Right. And then and YouTube especially is guilty of this. And then when the, you ask them to define it and then they finally do define it, if you have enough money to get lawyers involved to do that sort of thing. They will then rewrite their terms of service to accommodate what it is they're telling you. And then when you point out to them that, well, you have this video link to follow, this video link to follow that are doing the exact same thing. Are they being banned as well? They tell you, well, that's not any of your business, how we handle, how exactly. we do that. And that is the basis behind the lawsuit from Prager University to YouTube. Their rules are arbitrary. It is. They and, are very arbitrary. And by calling out their arbitrary rules. Well, actually, could... they're not arbitrary. I'm sorry. They are not arbitrary. Their rules are being stringently and consistently applied from a certain political persuasive point of view. Yeah. That's not arbitrary. They are applying them in equally across their platform. But as a private company, that is their right. It's not a problem as long as we have other places to go to do the things that we would otherwise be doing on that platform. But, you know, those it's very expensive to start all that stuff. Right. YouTube spent a lot of money, excuse me, Google has spent a lot of money ensuring that people they don't like can't come up with competitive, competitive platforms against them. Yeah. So, yeah. Such an uplifting show. I know. <laughs> 
Huh? We're, we're on such an up today. <laughs> we are on such an up today. You know, it, but listen, it's it's better than like last week's episode. We were talking about like, you know, satanic bills being passed by the House and Senate. <laughs> but, well, that's true. That's true. But Instead, to, we're talking about how this one person who self-identifies as a deer is uh, being a, turning into a bit of a Nazi. Right. And then this person is crying online. And is telling everybody how she's having a, a really bad week because people are calling her out on her bullshit and pointing out the hypocrisy in Twitch. Yeah. It's not fair. It's not right. Yeah. But it's the way it is. Because the thing is, is like if you were going to use your position to get back at people because you've been mistreated all of your life. And I'm guilty of this as well, Jay. Yeah, I've done this when I've been put in, in, in power of authority, and there's reasons why I won't do certain things anymore. I've had I've had enough. Yeah, I've I've had enough. Um, whereas I I won't be put in a position of leadership anymore unless it's like oh, you know our Facebook groups, um, because I know I have a temper, and my whole attitude is that look if, if it's too much trouble to deal with you, I will just get rid of you quietly. And never think about you ever again and not allow you to ruin the rest of my day. That's how, that's how I take care of things. That's how I take care of things in my own personal life. Nobody should ever put me in charge of being a moderator on Twitch for that reason. <laughs> At least you're honest about it, though. Oh, absolutely. At least you can say that I know this, uh, that I have this flaw. I have no business being you know? in, in a leadership position outside of certain situations i don't right right you know i mean and there's something to be said for having that level of honesty about yourself especially to yourself and one of the you know yeah a lot of people would be denial about it a lot of people would say hey yeah no i i, I had a problem with that and i may have i've been accused of having a problem with that in the past but i've gotten over it yeah i don't think that i should be input but in you're a also not a transgender teenager i don't know i don't know look at this picture firstly stuff she, she's very young if she's not a teenager she's not well into her 20s right. at all she's very young so she may not have the capacity for self-awareness that most people don't develop up until they get older and i can say this on the fedora chronicles radio show what i've seen of ferociously steph is very immature yes very immature very self-centered Yes. Almost narcissistic. If Twitch wants to keep ferocious Steph on their platform, that's their business. Yeah. I won't use their platform. Not that I ever have, not that I ever will. Do they allow podcasters to just podcast on Twitch or do I have to be playing a game at the same time? I don't know how it works. I honestly don't know. I've never never looked into it to be honest with you. It's not something that I've Let's ask our resident to do. Let's ask our resident expert. Can I do can I do our podcast on Twitch? Well, the thing about Twitch is that it's mainly for games, but there's a section which is just chatting. But I think you were right about you would be kicked off YouTube because, like, talk about the coronavirus. Does you do get demonetized if you talk about it to stop false news spreading? So it probably would still not work so great. I'm going to set up the microphone for him. I'm going to set it as soon as I'm done here. I'm going to set up the microphone for him. Also, are you almost done? Yes, I'm almost done. <laughs> Yes, I'm almost done. He wants to twitch himself. This is coming up on two hours here. But the point that I wanted to make here and the threads that I tried to put together here is that 
with the greater picture is that I think normal people and I and in this one instance, Jay, I'm going to call myself a normal person. I'll let it go this time. Normal people are being told what they can and can't say on certain platforms and they've had enough and they're ready to take to the streets and say that they've had enough. And I think that the institutions are already getting ready for the pushback. If you don't, it, listen, if you don't like fero ferociously, Steph, you should just stop using their platform. If, you, if you're like Joe Rogan and you're tired of the censorship, find another platform, leave YouTube and, and, and go to Spotify. If you don't like the sound of my dog whining in the background. <laughs> but, I th but I do think that there is a pushback. And I think that things are going to get worse before well, they Steph, get better. I think, it's, I think it's building in part because of the quarantine. Because now you are locked into your mode of entertainment, at least temporarily anyway. So if you are someone who likes to listen on Twitch or I don't know what they call it, listen, stream, whatever. If you like to whatever stream, the terminology yeah. is. if you like to stream if, on if Twitch, you're someone, right. If you're a participant of Twitch, whether you're a viewer or a content creator, see that you have the option. You can go somewhere else. It may not be as popular. It may not be as technologically astute or whatever, but you can, for all of us that bitch about being about people who are getting demonetized, we can demonetize the people who we are railing against if we have the stones to do it. Because if YouTube suddenly no longer has content creators, their platform's going to go to hell. If Twitch has a huge migration of people off of it and they reach out because you know they will, they'll reach out to those people and say, why did you leave? Oh, yeah. And they specifically state, you know, we used to be able to talk about anything, but now we're not allowed to talk about anything anymore. It has a lot to do with not just ferociously stencil that you set up. And that's why I'm leaving. They are going to, as a business, be forced to reevaluate the wisdom of creating that council and the decisions made by that council. So we have power. Are we willing to exercise it? That's really what it boils down to. I think that the power that's being um, exercised on me right now is telling me that we are past our time. Um, but okay. uh, but I do. I'm going to say something here. I'm going to say something that's controversial. Within within five years, YouTube could be like MySpace. How many people use MySpace now? I vaguely remember MySpace. I, I think that we are quickly approaching the point where there's been too much censorship on a certain platform. Look at what happened to Tulsi Gabbard. Right. Tulsi Gabbard was a presidential candidate for in, in the DNC. A woman of color was censored because she wasn't saying all the right things on Google and YouTube. And, on, and I, I still go to a lot of Facebook groups for Tulsi Gabbard. People are still angry about that. And Tulsi yes. fans are calling for a boycott of those platforms. It's one of the reasons why we use DuckDuckGo. We also use DuckDuckGo because they don't censor search results. I looked, I looked up some of the same topics that we talked about this week on DuckDuckGo, and I found things that I could not find using Google. I think people are getting sick of being censored on these platforms, and they're going to start to leave. And Google and YouTube are going to start losing revenue because that they've gone too far like the saying goes 
go um uh get woke go broke and they've gone too far they've gone too far censoring people and i and i think it's going and i think it's costing them and i think it's costing them dearly and i think that within five or ten years people are going to forget about youtube unless they drastically change the problem is if they have deep enough pockets they won't give a shit look at what's happening in the comics industry right comics industry is dying it is dying right now marvel had to cancel a number of their titles because they weren't generating enough revenue to justify the expenditure for them and some of the content creators went ballistic and basically called out the comic book fans and said that they were assholes because they didn't understand they didn't know what a good comic was when they read it oh that's going to make me go out and buy more comics well the the thing that kills me about that is you have an audience. You make your living off of the audience, so you're going to insult that audience? Where's the logic in that? How does that make any fucking sense at all, you know? It's like the old rule. When you live in mom and dad's house, you do what mom and dad say because it's their house, their rules. Right. It's just the fact of life. That's how it goes. It's everyone who's ever been a child understands that. Mom and dad's house, mom and dad's rules. That's why people can't wait to get out of mom and dad's house when they get to college, right? But I don't insult mom and dad when I'm staying at their house. I don't say, oh, you're full of shit. Because you know what? If they're paying the bills and I'm calling them out on their quote unquote bullshit, they can just choose to not pay any of my bills anymore. They don't have to do that, you know? But when it comes to wealthy enough companies they can afford at least for a while to just coast along and say no we're going to do this and you're going to like because the recording industry has taught us that if you repeat something often enough it will become popular so the recording company has taught recording industry has taught us that if you repeat something often enough it will become popular if you repeat something often enough it will become popular because that's what dictates our musical tastes right now in popular culture. They pay the DJs, they pay the companies that pay the DJs to run certain songs. They play a song that is unpopular. They play it long enough, it becomes familiar. People like things that are familiar to them. So as long as they keep playing it, eventually it will become popular. That's how we ended up with a number of different popular bands. This show has gone long and I just had this huge... This just happened while we're talking on this. I got somebody who runs a forum had just sent me this message. Hi, Eric. I was just wondering if you are posting on our group page any longer. I never see any of the posts by you anymore. You used to put the Fedora Chronicles links on our group page. (laughs) They like us. They really like us. They like us. So (laughs) the thing is, is that I will continue to keep... Because, I mean, here's the... Listen, which is it? You like my content or you don't? <laughs> right. I'm not talking about this person in particular. But the thing is, is that yeah. I posted a couple of links to our podcast. And, I, you know, this is the Fedora Chronicles radio show is a product recorded and produced live in southern New Hampshire. And people are like, why do you post that? This has nothing to do with. OK, I'll stop posting then. And now the group now the group moderator wants me to start posting again. <laughs> yeah. Well, we want you to post. We just want you to not say this or right. not say that. 
This is it. This is this is what I say on the podcast. But I I think right. I I think that there's a big huge blowback that's coming back and it's going to be epic. And I think that the powers of B know that it's going to be epic. And I think the people over at YouTube and Twitch and Google and even Facebook are going to start to realize that they've gone too far with their quote wokeness. If you believe in free speech, you believe in free speech. And that means you allow crazies to say what they say so that you can listen oh, oh. to that. Who, who was it? I forget who said this, but there's a, a famous quote that if you don't, if you don't protect the speech you hate the most, you're not for free speech. Right. Jay, thank you for another controversial episode. Thanks for everything that you do. And thank you, man. And you do more of the work than I do. I know. But the thing is, is that you make you make it more fun and entertaining. Glad I can help. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Have a good one. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Thor Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash fedorachronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020, all rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renderking Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on.